1: So we will turn tonight to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 18 of Hebrews chapter 10. Now, where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. Having therefore brethren boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his flesh, and having an high priest over the house of God, Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. When we come to think about the mercy seat, we have to begin as we did last time with the consideration of Christ's approach as our high priest. We saw that in Hebrews chapter 9 and the verse number 12, how that Christ not by blood of goats and cows but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place. And the context of Hebrews 9 indicates that Christ is there fulfilling the types and the shadows of the Day of Atonement when initially Aaron, the high priest, was to go in and there was to be that making of atonement for his own sins, the sins of his family, and also for the sins of the congregation. And so that's our commencement when you think about the mercy seat. First and foremost, you've got to give consideration to the matter of Christ as our great high priest But however, when you come to Hebrews chapter 10, you you do see that there is application with the mercy seat with regards to your own prayers. It says they're having therefore brethren boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus through the veil. Verse number 20. And undoubtedly the picture here is of the believer going through the the veil into the holy place where the mercy seat is. And so whilst we first and foremost think about Christ's intercession for us, we do also see application regarding the believer and their communion with God. And of course, that fits in well with the general types that we're considering here. Exodus 25, again, it's over the mercy seat that God is pleased to meet and commune with his people. And so hymn writers down through the centuries, have often seen the mercy seat as a as a picture, as a place where the believer comes to pray. I think of some of the hymns in her own hymn book. Approach my soul, the mercy mercy seat, where Jesus answers prayer. There humbly fall before His feet, for none can perish there. Or the hymn entitled "The Mercy Seat," from every stormy wind that blows, from every swelling tide of woes, there is a calm, a sure retreat. Tis found beneath. The mercy seat. And so undoubtedly the theology of our uh, reformed faith saw within the language of the mercy seat lessons regarding the place of prayer. Now these two thoughts are not uh, disconnected when we think about Christ's intercession and our prayer lives. These things are inextricably linked in the word of God. We, we have no prayer life without Christ's intercession on our behalf. His prayers are are the ground whereby our prayers are acceptable. We have the truth of that here. We come by blood, verse 19. Christ comes by blood also. And the sense is that as he intercedes, he's as he as he presents the merits of his work on our behalf, so we pray on the condition of his intercession, of his presentation of his sacrifice. If he is not If he is not interceding for us, then we we have no right to prayer. We have no approach. It's not surprising that the people of God in the Old Testament were instructed to pray towards a tabernacle. There was to be direction in their prayers, geographical direction. They were to make sure that they were facing and heading towards the tabernacle or the temple later on in the history of the people of God. You think of Psalm 28, hear the voice of my supplications when I cry unto thee. When I lift up my hands toward thy holy oracle, and the sense there is towards the mercy seat, towards the tabernacle. And so, our prayers are heard in connection with the Lord's redemptive work Christ's work as our interceder, securing atonement for us. Well, that's why we can come and pray ourselves, and not only so, but we see in the language here of Hebrews chapter 10 with regards to the veil. That veil being torn shows us that Christ himself, as our high priest, opens the way for us to come in prayer. Where is the sinner invited to meet with God? Where does communion take place? Well, in the language of Hebrews, or sorry, Exodus 25, it takes place at the mercy seat. In the Old Testament, of course, the Lord met with two people before the mercy seat initially, Moses and Aaron. And then after the sin of Nadab and Abihu, only once a year. And only the high priest alone could come into the most holy presence of the Lord at the mercy seat. But the Lord Jesus, in his death, having entered the holiest heaven itself, there is no longer need for a veil. And we have the the blessed words of Mark chapter 15. And the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. The sacrifice is offered and the veil is rent and through the entrance of Christ as our great high priest, fulfilling the type, then we as the people of God enter after Christ. Right now we have boldness to enter into the presence of God. The veil is rent in twain, and we can go directly to the throne of heavenly grace. And thus it is the the mercy seat that is clearly in view in Hebrews chapter 10 when Paul speaks regarding prayer, verse 19, having therefore brethren boldness, to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. And thus tonight we have uh, the opportunity to remind ourselves of the access we have in prayer. These are familiar verses to you, uh, but they must must take place in a series on the mercy seat. And so we've got to take the time to consider them again, to think about them. uh, And may they, by way of reminder, encourage us As we come to pray and to seek the face of God at the end of this year, we need the Lord. Don't we? We really need the Lord in these days. And we often say, oh, there's a need for prayer. Uh, We we knew that at the end of last year. Um, We know that this year we need to to seek the Lord to come in in his mercy. And so as we come to the end of the year, what hope do we have when we come to pray? Well, the hope we have is based upon the instruction here of Hebrews chapter 10. That's what gives us confidence. We have confidence because of the theology of prayer that is contained in these verses. So let me begin, very simply, let me begin by a sense or a discussion regarding the meaning here. What's the meaning of these verses? Verse 19, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus If you were to take these words in a very literal sense, uh, just taking a a word-by-word literal translation, uh, it may be something like this. Uh, Therefore, brethren, you have boldness with respect to the entrance. That's the sense of the words here. So we have the verb to enter here, but it is boldness with respect to the entrance. It's an assurance to enter the holiest. And what an assurance that is for everything within Our own sense of our sin would give us cause for caution, for pause before entering the holiest presence of God. Notice again, of course, this reference to the holiest in the context of Hebrews is a reference to heaven itself. But this is not a future promise for us to enter heaven when we die. This is a present possession of the believer. Having, therefore, brethren, boldness. It is our present possession, our present joy, our present privilege. We understand that really in light of the context of the whole book. Certainly the, 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 the wider context of Hebrews reminds us of Christ's superiority over the law, over the Mosaic dispensation. And so it's not surprising that whilst in the Old Testament the high priest alone could enter once a year so now in the new covenant we all have access. it's a better covenant better promises uh, so all all of us as, as a kingdom of priests we have the, the the right of access and so the therefore that's used here in verse number 19 follows after a reminder of the gospel blessings that we enjoy. note again verse 19. having therefore, brethren boldness. And that goes back to verse well, it goes back all the way down or all the way back, sorry, to, to really chapter eight. And chapter eight begins with a sense of the comparison of the of the covenants. But if you look at the immediate context there, verse number Uh, 16 says, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds. Will I write them and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more? He's repeating what he said in Hebrews chapter 8, quoting, of course, Jeremiah 31. And he's making the point that the believers presently enjoy the benefits of the covenant. We have no difficulty with believing that our sins are forgiven. That's so Clearly taught in the Word of God, so clearly taught in the Gospels that we trust in Christ, we know forgiveness. And so, having had forgiveness as our present experience, having now had remission of these, verse 18, therefore now we have boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. And what a blessing it is. In the Old Covenant, entrance is barred, all the people were excluded. But now such is the blessing of the gospel. All may enter the presence of God. That's a sense of the holiest. We can enter the immediate presence of God. And so in light of the new covenant gospel blessings. Remember the context. So in light of the blessings of the new covenant. There are therefore these three let us clauses that are mentioned in verse. In the verse 22. Uh, And the verse 23 and the verse 24. You have these uh, experiences. Let us draw near, let us hold fast, and let us consider one another. And so, what the writer is here saying is the present reality of boldness then brings about the consequence, the obligation of the child of God. Because of what we enjoy now, let us therefore draw near. Let us therefore hold fast. Let us therefore consider one another. That's the sense, that's the context of the words here. Now we're considering particularly the matter of prayer and boldness. Boldness, as mentioned verse 19, speaks of confidence or freedom. We have a legitimate access to the presence of God. The Jewish believer... They entered heaven. that They could pray like Daniel. But the blessing of the New Testament believer is that they enter the presence of God on the ground of atonement, not being pictured, but already having been provided. We're not looking forward. We look back and thus we see it as a new and living way. We're seeing the, we're seeing the blessed privilege of being a new covenant believer. That our present privilege as those who are part of this covenant, is that we presently have boldness to enter into the holiest. I say our focus tonight is particularly on prayer, so we'll we'll look more closely at verse number 22. But you certainly see the the broader context, but we draw nigh. We come into the presence of God, uh, and just a, a passing note to drive this home, when it says draw nigh in verse number 22, it is the same word for cometh to God in verse number 6 of chapter 11. And so we understand chapter 11, verse 6. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. And so verse 22 of chapter uh, chapter 10, let us come near, draw near to God with a true heart. We're dealing with a matter of prayer. We have a privilege and that privilege then leads to uh, the blessing of coming to God in prayer. I said often, I remind you again. Your right to pray to God is an awesome privilege. It is your present possession, and one of the battles that every believer faces is times of great prayerlessness. We, we all battle with it. We go seasons without really praying. We may we may utter words, but we don't really get in the presence of God, and we're we're not enjoying our privileges. And that's a tremendous shame. What a thing it is to have this great privilege. So that's something regarding the meaning here. When it says, Having therefore brethren boldness is describing our approach to the presence of God in heaven. And it includes as an aspect of that the matter of coming near to God in prayer. So having thought about meaning, let's also consider something regarding the merit here. The merit. What right do we have to come and to enter? Well it tells us, verse 19, By the blood of Jesus we come by, or if you like, in the blood. That's the sense of the words. It can. It's one of those uh, Greek prepositions that can be translated in different ways. It's a sense of we, we come in the blood. We come in, in union with the blood of Christ. The blood is sprinkled before the ark. And it's almost like if you see the picture and you were, you were to be that high priest. And you imagine you're coming and you're approaching the way that the high priest did the year before. And there's blood in the path toward the mercy seat. And they stand in the blood. They stand on the blood. It's on blood that they come and enter the presence of God. And that's the assurance here. And so the acceptance of the sinner is they stand upon the blood. What a a picture that is. The same blood whereby the Lord entered. Hebrews 9 verse 12. He enters as our high priest secures atonement. And we enter in relation to our union with him. He is our representative high priest. And that is his blood upon which we stand as we approach the presence of God. There is no other merit. We have no other merit. We have no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. And of course, we understand this. You see, when you contemplate the effects of the blood, it's easy to see why it's significant in our approach to prayer. What does blood do? Well, it secures forgiveness. Uh, no, No shedding of blood. There is no remission. But by the shedding of blood there is remission, there is forgiveness. And we understand that Isaiah 59 or iniquities separate us from God. So unless there's forgiveness there's no approach. But when there is forgiveness then there is no separation. So we understand we stand upon blood then we have a a merit to approach God. The blood of course also secures our reconciliation. Christ made peace through the blood of his cross. There's another connection between blood and the approach to God in prayer reconciliation justification also we're justified by his blood Romans chapter 5 we stand in grace Romans 5 verse 1 and 2 have this access so the 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 implications the outworkings of blood and how that's applied to your soul's that certainly gives us confidence that we have the right, the merit to come into the presence of God. And so it's described by the writer here as a, a new and living way. The old way, of course, is the way of the high priest. Our access, though, is consecrated. It's inaugurated by Christ. In other words, he's opened up the way. It's a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us. He's opened up this way. He enters and we follow in after him. He's our forerunner. He goes first on our behalf. Uh, there's, there's confidence there, isn't there? We might have confidence. Maybe going into a strange environment if we if somebody goes before us and leads the way and there's nothing beyond the door, and that's fine. Well, here we have Christ going into the most holy presence of God. And when he goes in there, he is accepted. And because we're identified with him, we know that if he's accepted, we're accepted. He's opened up this way for us because he's been accepted by the Father so we have the confidence that we also can be accepted. The word new that is used here is an interesting word. It's the same word that's used regarding Christ in Revelation chapter 5 as the Lamb slain, the Lamb freshly slain. Although Christ approached into the most holy presence of God 2,000 years ago it's still a new way it's a new way tonight it's not old it's not it's not closed up it's always open for us the blood of Christ always avails to open up the way unto the presence of God and so it is a, a new and living way it's a living way because the entrance we have is because of a high priest who is alive if you're in Christ tonight, there is no hindrance from you coming into the presence of God. If you're in Christ as this as this year draws to a close and you're you're very mindful of the needs of, of of your own soul, the needs of your family, the needs of your church, the needs of the nation. Where, where are you going go to go to to bring these needs to God? You're going to come to the mercy seat and it's a it's a new and living way by blood. What a confidence we have in our access to the presence of God. So that's something regarding the meaning and also the merits of our approach. What about the man? What about the men who approach in this way? Well, two things about them. They are saved and they are sanctified. We know that from verse number 22. We have our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. Sprinkled by the blood of Christ. That actually goes back to chapter 10. The verse number 2, it says, For then... Would they not have ceased to be offered because that the worshippers once purged should have no more conscience of sins. Our conscience sprinkled. And we have that removal of our defilement. The evil conscience is gone. The blood of animals could not finally cleanse the conscience. But Christ our heavenly lamb. He's sacrificed himself with blood greater than the blood of beasts. And through his blood our conscience is cleansed. We've been saved the evil conscience is gone. That conscience that accuses us of our sin, it's gone. It's gone because it's under the blood, Christ's blood avails for our souls. But we're also sanctified, aren't we? In the sense of our bodies washed with pure water. Picturing the priests and the washing that they had to do to approach to God. So it is, I think, I believe, a picture of our ongoing sanctification at the laver. We we saw that in our studies in the laver. right. One thing you should note in verse number 22 is that the words that are used here are not exhortations for things for us to do. They are words of assurance. Believers in Hebrews in this time, they were far from perfect. They were struggling. Struggling with doubts. Struggling with the temptation to go back into their sin, go back into their false religion. Believers are far from perfect. An undoubtedly personal sin hinders prayer and must be dealt with, but that's not what's in view here. Rather, the exhortation is to draw nigh because of these two havings. Draw nigh having our hearts sprinkled. Draw nigh having our bodies washed with pure water. What I'm saying to you tonight again is, do not allow a sense of your sin to stop you from praying. Our worth is found in what Christ has done for us. And to say that you are not worthy to pray... Is to say that the blood of Christ and the sanctifying work of the Spirit are not sufficient to make you acceptable to God. The Lord knows we continue to sin, and yet He still tells us to come boldly, because of the of the work He's done for us by His Son and by His Spirit, which leads then to the last thing, just as we just close these devotional thoughts and that is something regarding the manner and we're given some words here aren't we? Three really thoughts in terms of our the manner of our approach unto God in verse number 22. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. We are to come confidently boldly, that's the word again, verse number 19, having boldness and that sense of boldness continues Let us draw near. It's a sense of boldness. We possess the right and we must avail of that right. And so boldness speaks of a freedom of speech. That's the the root sense of the word. We're free to speak in the presence of God. We've been told to speak. You go into the presence of a sovereign, you will not run into their presence and begin to speak. You, You wait to be invited to speak. Well, dear believer, that invitation has already come. So we come confidently, we come sincerely. It's a true heart. It's like that sense of worshipping in spirit and in truth. We are not to come in hypocrisy. We're not to come with our mouths and yet our hearts are far from God. We are to come sincerely and we are to come believingly with full assurance of faith to pray believingly that God is willing and able to answer our prayers. Faith that believes in God's ability. We believe that He is, Hebrews 11, verse 6, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. We understand that's praying in faith faith in the power of God, faith in the grace of God, faith in the purposes of God, all of those things that we understand to be taught in the Word of the Living God. I believe that for our young people and for all of us, confidence in prayer will increase as we grow in our understanding of redemption the more we understand the value of the blood the more we will pray the deeper our appreciation mentally but also spiritually the deeper we appreciate the work of christ then the stronger our prayer lives ought to be hence the need to continually immerse ourselves in the gospel and the truth of christ's work undoubtedly it's a tragedy For the child of God to live a prayerless life. We have in the language here of verse number 20. The sense that it took the rending of Christ's flesh. To open up the way of approach for us. His flesh was torn. So that we could come boldly. He's a picture of the veil isn't he? The veil's torn. It's a picture of Christ's suffering. And as he suffers so he opens up this new and living way for us. What a work he's accomplished. What, what a cost it was to our Savior to secure us access to God in prayer. It is undoubtedly the need of the art. The need of the art is that we humble ourselves in the presence of God and seek his face. Time to be far removed from all manner of pride, confidence in man. We don't want to trust in chariots and horses. We want to remember the Lord. And as we remember the Lord in these days, so we will therefore have boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. We come to the throne of grace. Approach, my soul, the mercy seat where Jesus answers prayer. There humbly fall before his feet for none can perish there.